Hello and welcome to the Inner Work Conversation. I'm Nikki Cross and today is an exciting day because I get to lift the curtain and introduce you to another of my wonderful one-to-one clients. The last time I was able to do this was episode 167 with Lucy from Wisco and White. And today, coincidentally, I have another guest from the wedding industry. It is honestly such a treat for me, to be honest, to have these kinds of conversations, to sit down and chat like this and share it on the Inner Work Conversation because I believe the kind of work that I do, particularly on a one-to-one basis, it can only really be accurately explained through the experience of my clients and that's exactly what you're about to hear. So let me introduce you to Chloe from Studio Chloe David. She's a revered photographer. She initially started off in the fashion industry. She was there for 15 years. She has been published in the likes of Vogue, High Snobiety, Days, alongside with luxury brands like MAC Cosmetics, IMG Models and has shooted catwalks worldwide. She's a pretty big deal. In 2020, she stepped away from the fashion photography industry and turned her focus to weddings. And if I were you, I would go and follow her on Instagram immediately simply to drool over the timeless beauty that she captures. Um, I've left her link in the show notes and I want to get married again. That's all. (laughs) Back to the episode. What I love the most about this episode is how the conversation and Chloe's honesty It serves as such an example of how the inner work leads to a more fulfilling career, which is why I've titled this episode, You Can Be Successful in Business Terms and Not Feel Successful. And I personally find it so inspiring, like a beacon of grounded hope to those of us carving our own path. So what to expect from this conversation? In a creative career, you will often find that you are not conforming to conventional standards. And I would argue to say that the majority of us, particularly those of you listening, we are navigating creative careers, whether that's from the work that you do to the solutions you are required to come up with. And one of the key things that you're going to hear weave throughout this conversation is the importance of the inner work from recognizing the disempowering thought patterns, dealing with self-doubt, dealing with uncertainty in business. The last time I talked about that was episode 189. Chloe talks today about how she firsthand practices the self-support that enables her to navigate the uncertainties of business. And for any of you who listen along, who just feel stifled by the normal, in inverted commas, measures of success in business, I want you to listen out further on into this conversation about what it takes to redefine success, what it what it takes to trust your own integrity and your own authenticity and take your own approach to business and what it takes to be able to do that, particularly when the expectations of others and industry norms and standards are feeling heavy on your shoulders. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Chloe, welcome to the Inner Work Conversation. I really want to jump straight in and get straight into talking about what your expectations were when you were coming into doing this work together, because to tell the truth, it is so tailored and it makes it hard to describe. (laughs) Would you agree? I think that was part of the success for me that I didn't know what I was doing. So I wasn't really like censoring myself. And we've spoken about this. I think if I'd known at the start what it was in like really defined lines, I would have been trying to get it right all the way through. And and it's such a unique experience, isn't it? Because I remember when we first spoke, I was like, but is there a workbook? Because I'm really busy right now. I can't sit down and do a workbook and you are like no there's no workbook and I thought well what is it and you're like it's whatever you need it to be mm-hmm. and we're not really 
taught that that's a good enough answer especially when you invest in money right you're like well what like what is the outcome like what is the a to b but I think that's the only way it works and it has worked there are things that you know I feel like I've smashed through and then there are like other shaky bits that I'm like yeah this is something that I really need to work on Mm. all the time where had you been so if I was to follow your career like a timeline what you do now has required so much unlayering Mm. So I have always been a photographer. Like went to uni, did photography, left, worked as an assistant. Yeah, since like for the past 15 years, that's all I've ever done. And I've gone back and forth from being employed to self-employed, being employed, self-employed, working on a freelance basis for other people. You pick so much up from working from other people that when you go self-employed, you try and implement those things, even if they're not right for you. But because then you're like self-employed, and you're your own boss, your own marketing, your own HR, your own accounting, you just sort of replicate and copy. So I think a lot of that felt quite jarring for me when I went completely self-employed. So I switched to wedding photography about three or four years ago, realistically, probably about three. So when COVID kind of happened, that's when it took off for me, really. So I started working on behalf of these other photographers. And it was kind of an amazing experience because it was post-COVID, weddings had just started again. And my first year was just pretty much full time, which can be a little bit unheard of in the wedding world. You know, it's like a slow, it can be a slow slog and, you know, it takes time to get clients. But because I wasn't working under my own brand, I was working for other people. There were so many weddings to be had that it was in at the deep end. So for two years, I did that. And it's kind of, you are self-employed, but you're also not because you're not doing any of like the real life business work. You're just being told like, you put this, go over there, shoot, give us the images, we'll do the rest. And that's kind of nice. I think that's a really great way of working for some people. But I think I like the limelight a little bit too much. So I always knew I wanted to really work on my own brand and do my own stuff which is what I've been doing for the past year and it's been really good yeah and obviously we've been working together since the start of my season really I remember listening to the first podcast in May and I think that's when I reached out so really you've been on the same journey that I have from like the start of the season to where we are now and I remember being like I just don't know if it's the right time for me because I'm so busy with work and you're like it's a great time this is when we should be doing it (laughs) it's a a great time and also, it's never a great time. Yeah. And on that note, when you say, do you know what? It was going great. Well, mm. why bother then? I mean that in like the least provocative way, but also not. There will be people out there who are like, do you know what? On the surface of it, everything is actually great. And there are things that I don't know how to do yet, or I might be developing skill in that area. Things are fine. Business is good. I'm working with people that I love and I'm doing work that I love. So why? Why reach out? Why come and do this work? It's like the surface thing. On the surface, you can have a really successful business and it can plod along, but it would never achieve its true potential if you don't do or work through what I call like the shaky bits or the moments of doubt. You know, yeah, I had a successful business, but it wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't feel successful. Mm. And I think that was it. And it was getting to a point where I just thought I can't carry on doing business as I am now. Like second guessing myself, trying to work as others have worked, sort of censoring myself maybe isn't the right word, but just trying to confine myself to working in a way that I'd seen other people do or looking at people who you think are successful and trying to mimic it instead of just actually forging my own way ahead. And there were so many things that just felt really shaky 
and business was coming in and it still is and it just yeah it just really wasn't I didn't feel successful I think that's the long and short of it and it's and for me if the feeling isn't there then it's just not going to work what a lot of the time when people come into this experience one of the first things that I noticed them learning is success isn't what we've been taught it is Mm. We've got this idea of what it means to be a grown-up. We've got this idea of what we think it means to be successful in business based on, like I've said, based on that conditioning of like what we've seen from other people role model to us. And we don't get to see their behind the scenes. We don't get Mm. to understand where anyone else is coming from. What was making you feel like you had a connection on your back that was just pulling you back when you wanted to move forward? Oh my God, so many things. I mean, it was right down to what I would post on Instagram and sort of the right. doom scrolling and thinking, oh, I love this image, but people aren't going to get it. So I can't post it. What's everybody else doing? My pricing was wild. And we've spent many a chance discussing this, but it was just all over the place. And it was because I was pricing myself based on how I felt that day, that week, on the feedback I'd received, on, I mean, even really stupid things. It was so unfounded. It wasn't rooted in anything. It was literally, if I was having a bad week, I would go around other people's sites, see what they would charge and be like, well, okay, I guess I'm kind of like them. That mm. feels good. And it didn't feel good. Like none of this felt good because it didn't come from an authentic place. I know that authenticity is a bit of a buzzword, but it's like so important when you do things like pricing and when you are your own boss, especially creatively, because there's so much creative content out there. It's just overwhelming. And there's so many versions of success. And you're just, I mean, I've done like the business courses, I've done the marketing courses. It's always one person saying, this is the only way to do things. There's nobody out there saying, maybe not. Like maybe you can do it your way. So I think on the surface, I had a successful business because I was mimicking a lot of the things I'd seen. And I feel like I was getting by, Mm. but it didn't feel good. Yeah. It's great at first, isn't it? It's great at first to have a real sort of stable set of guidelines Mm. that you can mimic. And I find that when people start to outgrow that, what was once the foundation, the bedrock of their steps to success now feels really confining and like a straitjacket but they feel like the wrong ones. That's the that's the bit. It's not like they look at that straight jacket and go, hang on, that doesn't fit me anymore. They instead look at that straight jacket and go, what's wrong with me? Yeah, you know, 100%, like 100%. That version of me feels like she's not gone, but it feels so far away. I think I just wanted to feel confident in what I was doing. And I wanted to feel like it was okay to be me in all aspects of my work. And I think this is this is the point I was at with the success thing. It's like I had a, I had a version of success, but it wasn't my version of mm-hmm. success. And you can plod along like that for a really long time, but it's not sustainable. I think I would have burnt out. I would have felt really unfulfilled, you know, because I am doing a creative job and yeah, I'm working for clients, but I'm also working for me. You know, I, I get something out of what I do Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's selfish, but a hundred percent, you know, like I'm there for me as much as I am for my couples. I think I just wanted it not to feel painful, which sounds really dramatic, but you know, I just wanted to be able to have conversations about pricing in a really confident way. I wanted to be able to create work that I believed in and I liked and that maybe wasn't the norm Mm. and be able to stand Mm. by it to be sort of solid 
in that yeah. and just really trust that actually there are people out there who are going to get it. Yeah. My core thing is transparency leads to intimacy with yourself and others. So the more I can create a safe space inside of you, my client, to be honest with yourself about what it is you really want. You can't unsee that honesty. You can't unsee it. You, you can hide from it. You can run from it. And that's where the pain experience comes in because you're doing all of this stuff and you're thinking, okay, this is what's going to get me the success. But even when it does, doesn't feel good. You're right. You're the boss. And that is a double-edged sword because... It's like sometimes you just want someone, we were speaking about this the other day, weren't we? Sometimes yeah. you just want someone else to be like, do this, do that. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of the fucking marketing and the this and the that. And then other times you're like, no, I want the full control. What I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I believe that you came to the table with at the beginning was all of these really hardwired rules about how you could have success. So I can have success if this and this and this and this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love a rule. I hate and love a rule. Um, yeah. I, 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 like, I like a stat. <laughs> like, it's hard, isn't it? Oh, I don't even know where it all came from. I think it's just schooling. You know, I grew up with two boys. I've got two brothers, one older, one younger, and a very old school dad. So there were always rules. There was always a different rule for me than there was for the boys. So I think it starts from a really early age and then just going through university and sort of not that things came easily to me, but things did kind of come easily to me in like a career way and sort of yeah. receiving some backlash for that. And that kind of brings on all these feelings of like, did I even deserve this if I didn't have to work at it? And then it cements this feeling of like, I don't deserve it because I didn't work for it. When actually that's a massive lie. Like I have worked. I've always worked. Yeah. You know, and like my choices have led me to the circumstances that I've been in. It's not some like divine gift that I got to do all these crazy an things. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't an accident. an accident and it wasn't luck. Um, and I think after a long time, it, you just sort of think, oh, well, it's just luck. And, you know, my success isn't real. It's probably just a little bit of chance. You know, and there are still parts of me now towards the end of this year where I'm just like, can I replicate this next year? Like, yeah. maybe this was just a fluke. And there is no fluke. It's like, I'm my own boss. Like, the choices I make have a direct impact on the outcomes that I get. There's so little of that in the way I was educated, in the way I was brought up. I mean, I remember going to art school and, you know, you sort of go to art school and no one teaches you how to be an independent business person you know you're taught like creative yeah. projects and you're sort of told that you're going to leave art school and you're not going to make it like that right. really I mean I'd love to hear what other people who went to art school sort of think and what their outcomes were but there is this sort of feeling that you're not going to do well yeah you, know, you sort of did a bit of a joke BA and in all of that what was the unlearning do you think for you my job really is to laser focus in on what is it that this person wants what is in the way of that? And how do I by osmosis teach them along the way how to develop the practices that will continually get them out of their own way? I think one of the really big things I've learned is that there are no rules. We spoke at the start and you would ask me things and you were like, well, why do you charge that much? And I was like, well, because I've only been doing this a year. And I joke about my difficult relationship with time. <laughs> like I, 
there isn't anybody who's going to come along and say, okay, you've been doing this 18 months now, you can increase by 10% and you can do this. And also like, I don't, if I wanted to work in that kind of world, I'd have gone and worked in that kind of world. You know, I did work in an office. I did have a stable income. I had a good income. I worked with a really great team and it wasn't right. And yeah, I, I left and I was waiting for those structures to sort of appear out of nowhere and I was constantly waiting for somebody to tell me that I could do this and that now I was ready to do this. Yeah. And then when good things did happen, I was like, oh, how did I just magic that out of thin air? <laughs> and I, there were so many like light bulb moments. And I think the thing with rules and time and waiting for things to happen at the right time, is just rubbish. And I think that's probably one of the things that I'm still working through mm-hmm. because it's been so ingrained. And the thing is, you know, when you are your own boss and you set your own price and you do your own, you know, your every single department, people are always going to have an opinion on that. Yeah. And actually it doesn't matter, but I think knowing it doesn't matter and feeling like it doesn't matter are two separate things. And that's the thing for me is that there's a lot of noise in my head telling me like, stats numbers figures and then there's the feeling and then one of the things I've learned is actually just to turn the volume down on those on that need for like black and white facts and stats and actually just be like but how do I feel about this like do I even care that this person has said this or do I just feel outraged because I feel like I should feel outraged Mm-hmm. And I think that's been really, that's been really helpful, but it is still definitely something that I need to tune into more and more. I believe in each of us, there is parts of us that are a gift and also a weapon if we turn it on ourselves. I'm interested to hear your view on that. I mean, my experience is that a lot of the time I'll make a throwaway comment that I think is funny and you'll be like, hang on a minute. No, no, no. Like, let's unpick that. And I think part of this experience is also just learning the way that I sometimes talk about things that I don't know that I want to talk about and I'll do it in a throwaway way. Mm. And also just really learning about myself, being that like, I know that I'm always right and I truly believe I'm always right, which is great because a lot of the time I am always right, except when I'm right about the negative things, which I'm often wrong about. And that's a really convoluted, difficult thing to decipher. But I'll decide things even if they're bad, based on absolutely nothing, because Mm -hmm. I need facts, figures and stats. So I'll just make them up. And believe them. Yeah. And actually, that can lead to a massive downward spiral for me, Mm -hmm. you know, and that and that's where those shaky bits come in. And that's now that I'm aware of it, I can work on it. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes when I'm spiraling, when I message you, it's just like mental ping pong with myself. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, what well, I'm really annoyed, but I don't know if I'm annoyed. No, but I am annoyed. But am I annoyed? I don't know if I'm annoyed. And it's just kind of, and I think just learning that sometimes I just need to sound things out to get to the answer that I need to get to. Yeah. And that had never occurred to me before. Mm-hmm keeps you trapped in cycles right in your own mind yeah and that's what I meant before by your learning by osmosis there's a lot of unlayering to do there that's slowing down and that knowing that the mind is such a gift but also can be such a weapon if it's used in a way that puts us in a position of mental drama cycles going round and round and basically just fucking torturing ourselves into wanting to create 10 different price lists because we think that's going to, if I just do that, if I can just make this sound or look a certain way, then it'll be right. Or for other clients, you know, it's been, well, maybe I should just burn the whole thing down. Maybe this isn't right for me at all. Maybe I'm not meant to be a business owner. And that mental drama can lead to really significant detrimental outcomes. From that perspective then, 
I want to talk about the practical stuff. When I said your onboarding journey was a little bit different, because we're in different time zones, you booked your inquiry call for like six weeks down the line and me being me. You remember me being me. I was like, I'm really excited to speak to you on Friday, not realizing it was Friday in six weeks time. (laughs) So when I saw that and you were at the beginning of a season, so it was really busy. So when I saw that, I was like, do you want to just chat on Voxer? My inquiry experience, I want it to feel like a mutual decision in alignment. Am I right for you? Are you right Mm -hmm. for me? Is this the right work for you right now? And we did your inquiry over Voxer. So we chatted over messages and voice notes. What was that like for you? It was really helpful because I think it sort of set the standard for what was to come. And Mm -hmm. I think because this work is so hard to define, or at least I find it hard to define because it's so tailor-made. It's really indefinable. And I think that really sort of set the tone for what was to come. And it was just sort of nice hearing somebody at the end of the line in kind of real time just chatting about things there was it wasn't so formal and I think for me I was like okay well I can weave this into you know the amount of travel I'm doing the amount of work I'm doing um it just felt more real it wasn't something that you buy and then you just work through like each bit when you have time because I've bought the courses before and I've not done them and they've been a massive waste of money and I think that for me that feeling was really there when we first started to speak. I remember saying to you, you know, I've spent money on these, on, I say in echo, it was these kinds of things, but it's absolutely not yeah. a business course. It's not a marketing course. It's it's so beyond that. I remember saying, you know, my hesitation is, is that you're not saying you're going to get me more work at the end of this, which actually is kind of a lie because- I know. It inevitably, when you change, everything changes. It just inevitably does Mm-hmm. bring more work in and more aligned work yeah but it's like you can't say that and I'm just trying to like struggling to like articulate it and I really remember when you were saying what's well, one of the big takeaways for me I remember at the start saying you were like why can't you charge more and I remember saying well I already do something nice I can't yeah. charge for it too rules rules right and you've got that... a lovely thing you're doing what you like yeah. you're taking lovely photos you go into nice places you're doing this travel you can't also be well paid for it that's against the rules absolutely I remember listening to one of your podcasts and you were like you holding back your greatness you know and I was like oh my god it's me <laughs> why am I doing this and it was just very much this feeling of feeling squashed into a version of myself, like a palatable version. And not palatable to me, but to everybody else around. And it is this sort of ingrained upbringing. You know, you see your parents working every hour God sends, you know, like single mom with three kids. You know, like money wasn't, we didn't have tons of it. Yeah. So then for me to sort of be someone who pops along, went to art school, worked six months of the year, gets to travel, you know, people say to me all the time, it's not a real job. Yeah. Oh, how damaging, yeah. you know? Yeah. And now that just doesn't affect me. I'm like, I know how much I pour into this. I know how much I give people. I know how, how hard I work. And not yeah. because I'm a martyr, but because I genuinely love what I do. But I'm not an untapped resource. It's the whole concept behind the Thrive First Method, right? This is what I deeply and firmly believe. 
I firmly believe that each of us has a unique contribution to give. And there's so much in the way of us giving that unique contribution. Like sometimes there's these rules that we've picked up from childhood or from our professional upbringing where it's like, well, that's not real. And don't trust that because that's unsafe. So that unique contribution, oh, what a sweet and lovely thought that is. But no, go back to what's normal because that's not normal. Like there's there's those kinds of things in the way of that unique contribution. But then when we do step into it and we think, like I've been there, right? When I stepped into, here I am, Thrive Life and Business Limited. Here I am. This is my unique contribution. And I sort of, it, it felt like I was walking down the road and I just turned a corner and it's like, oh shit. Now there's all of those things in the way of my unique contribution. And I think that's what you meant earlier, right? When you step into the world of having your own business, it's not only delivering your unique contribution, you're up against all of the conditioning that says, well, yeah, that's lovely. Have your unique contribution, but you can't charge that. But what is it really? Your unique contribution, what is it really? If you stripped it down to the very practical elements, what we could say is it's taking photographs of someone's experience and giving them those photographs in digital and print form, right? But that's not really what it is. And you're essentially giving them memories of the most, one of the most precious moments of their life. I mean, I guess at the start, I would have broken it down, you know, like with all the stats, all the hours, what they get in return, like, you know, and there's some maths, there's some loose maths behind it. Whereas now I can confidently say they get me and that involves everything. So from when I first speak to couples, like I'm just trying to absorb them, which sounds really weird. But when people say, why do you charge as much as you do? Like my answer now is just like, I'm just that good. And like, let's be clear, like there are people who charge much more than me, but it's like, and being good at my job isn't something that has happened to me by chance. It's something that I've worked on, something that I've honed in for years and years and years. And just because I've been doing weddings for three years doesn't detract from the fact that I worked in like high-end photography for way more before that. And I like to think that I give people something really unique. I'm always trying to find ways to give couples something that they're not expecting. And for me, like my process isn't one, it's kind of like this, it's not one homogenous A to B journey because I wouldn't want to be treated like that. And it doesn't feel natural for me to treat people like that. And before I was trying to work in that way, which is where that pricing breakdown came from. And the funny thing is when I started to remove all those rules, I attracted the people that didn't want those rules either. But you never think about what you're going to get in return. You always think about what you might lose out on. And actually, like what I've learned in this process, like I don't want to work with everybody. I don't want to book 30 weddings a year. Like I like energetically, like what I do is so intense that I can't, I can't give that much of myself to more than this number of people. And I don't want to. And I think you have to make peace with the fact that you're not everybody's cup of tea, which in business we're told that like revenue get as many in through the door blah 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 and actually that's that's really not true for me that's not why I do what I do it takes a lot to get to that you know these things theoretically but Mm. to embody them it takes a lot because you're doing that in the face of an industry that says well we do things this way when someone joins we send this out and when we when that happens we do that and we use this kind of printer and we do this and we do that and in the face of all of that 
I think it takes a lot to pull your hand away and be like, not on my watch, not in my yeah. business. And you said then, and I think it's worth re re-saying, we're so quick to worry. Not not just think about, worry about what we're going to miss out on. We're not even considering, but at what cost? What is it costing you to do the work that you do in a misaligned way, in a way that betrays your core desires in a way that doesn't allow your contribution to be as unique as it is. And I think that's been a massive part of this journey with you is actually just asking you the right questions to help you come back to what you think, to help mm. you see that that's the thing. Like there's wisdom inside of you if you'll learn to listen to it. And learning to listen to it requires you to quieten the noise of everything that has felt safer to listen to. I want to quickly come back to something that you said before, because this is a question that I get asked a lot, and I think it will be beneficial to hear it from your perspective. What I get asked a lot is, so is this life coaching or is this business coaching? Is it fair to say we're using your life and business as the curriculum upon which to work on you? Is that the best way to explain it, yeah, do you think? definitely. And for me, my life is my work and my work is my life because it's so intertwined. And I don't mean that in a martyr, like I work 24-7, but yes. it just, you know, that's absolutely my choice. You know, I love what I do. I'm very specific about a lot of like, I've come back to England to pick up prints because there's a lab that I like in England. And, you know, it's a long way to go for post, but here I am. Oh, I don't know. I still haven't got a straight answer for this. It's a little bit of everything. Um, for me, as I said, like my work is so intertwined with my life. But I think you can't do this work without changing on some fundamental level because you're changing on the inside. And I think this is where it differs from like a business course. It's not separate to you. And I think when I started to realize that and really understand it, and this is something that I'm still working on. And we've spoken about this. Like, can I be me and be successful? Like, can I be from the Northwest of England and, you know, sound like this and be successful when, you know, predominantly a lot of the time, what you see is a very different version. Even in the wedding industry it is male dominated, you know, and it is hard and that's definitely something that I've struggled with like can I as a woman yeah. be successful and how what does success look like to me and it took me months to even define what success meant to me because I was like well once you define it that's it there's no like wiggle room and that was those rules coming in again it's like you know trying to box myself in it's like well once I reach this and actually I am living out my version of success you know, and just realizing that and realizing that it's everything's constantly in motion. And I don't think you can know that without it having a knock on effect to all aspects of your life. And also just not second guessing myself anymore. There are things that you have done as actions, like really pragmatic and tangible actions that have facilitated that growth. But it's been the inner stuff first. And I think that's the difference is when you're operating based on someone else's framework, they'll say, well, do this, have this on your website, do this, do that. Whereas what we've done is gone, okay, how does that land within you? What do you like? What don't you like? And trust in that. Like there's been many parts of your journey where I'm like, you clearly feel very strongly about that. You said earlier on, like sometimes you'll make a throwaway comment and I'm like, hang on, 
pin in that, please. Let's not move on from that. Why do you feel strongly about that? And a lot of the time with not just you, like a lot of my clients, it's about them learning to slow down just enough to be like, fuck, I'm frustrated or I feel bitter about that. I feel resentful about that. Instead of just washing over that and carrying on or pushing on, it's going, hang on, listen to yourself a sec. Do you need to make a change in your business out there with your pragmatic actions as a result of noticing that you've got this frustration inside of you and it's building your business in that way, trusting yourself, trusting your creative urges and what you need in order to facilitate those creative urges, literally down to things like, you know, I want the time and space to sit on the couch with my dog. You know, that's Mm. important to you. So it's creating all of the, in, it's the creating the environment and the conditions upon which you feel your creativity can fe- be facilitated and also recognizing when you do feel fucked off with something or that something's not right or someone's overcrossed a line that you never set in the first place. Now's the time to make that change in business. And I've watched you do that. And I think what people don't really realize in all of this is what my clients are doing is they're creating success on their terms. And that's Mm. why it feels good because what you're doing is you're listening to yourself. You are the one making the changes. You're the one sending the emails that might make your bum twitch a little bit. And it's with all of those actions that, how do you say it? I would say you acclimatize to it. How do you say it? You say, oh, breaking in the shoes. Is that what I say? (laughs) Yeah, like wearing wearing the shoes in. Yeah, and I think that's kind of why this is so has been so successful for me is that it's not someone saying okay week one pricing I'll go out do the maths change your price because that's not a solid foundation for anything and there are so many times where we'll talk about something and then two weeks later I'll repeat it back and try and fob it off as my own idea but that's when the penny drops and this is what I mean it's such it's a fast and slow process of change so it never feels aggressive it never feels like you're doing things that aren't aligned or at the right time that's not to say that some things don't feel a bit like oh don't don't really want to do that but it's also just distilling that thought like am I uncomfortable because I don't want to do it and it's not natural to me or am I uncomfortable because it's just a bit uncomfortable but fundamentally I know that I have to do this. When I overhauled my pricing, it didn't feel comfortable, yeah. but it felt right. Why would it? Yeah, exactly. And I remember, you know, those first few quotes going out and being like, oh, they're never going to say yeah. And then, you know, within seconds, I'm like, okay, done, signed. I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. And it's, and that's not to say that it's always so seamless or so obvious, yeah. so easy, or that other yeah. people are always so responsive. Mm-hmm. But it does when things aren't necessarily positive, I don't defer back to, well, how can I make every situation around me positive so that I never have to feel uncomfortable? You know, because that's not reality. And I think that's the point that I was at when we started this. I was like, well, I just want to, I just want everything to be okay. And actually just learning that things aren't okay, but that's okay. And it sounds really obvious, but fundamentally understanding it and also understanding that I can't change people's minds through time and space you know to me going home and changing things on my website or redoing my pricing isn't going to change somebody's mind who I've never met yeah yeah 
Yeah, 100%. Do you know what? I'm you're making me think of an episode that I did. Um and it was off the back of one of our calls and it was all about I'm going to tell you what number episode it is now. It was all about dealing with yourself in the uncertainty, in the void because that's that's a huge part of it. Like what you've just said there applies to so many people that I work with that well, if I can just do and be really fucking busy and feel like create what, what we're trying to do in that space is self-soothe. Mm. We're trying to self-soothe through control and thinking if I can just do these things, it will manipulate the external circumstances to go the way I want them to. It's episode 189, Coping with Uncertainty. And that was off the back of some of the work that we did where it's like actually in the void, in the gap of communication, in the moment where you've sent your proposal out and you're waiting for the response. Who, how do you be when no one's looking? How do you be with yourself? How do like creating those tools to self-soothe in the moments where your mind wants to go, it's shit, your shit, burn it all down. <laughs> in fact, you should email them and apologize for sending that proposal. How fucking dare you, you know? Yeah. And this is something that I'm still working on I mean I joke that I have like the dead pile and that every so often things will resurface and I talk about like my palatable time frame and it's extending but that's definitely something that I know I'm going to have to work on forever and that also comes down to me being like well I've not heard from them in seven seven days they're not interested and I know that because I'm right and then it's like the slow spiral (laughs) into It's definitely a process, but it's getting easier. And I think it's also learning, like, what what do you do in that void when you haven't got the tools that you relied on before, when you're not deferring back to, you know, doom scrolling, spiraling, reworking your website? What do you do when you take those things away and you're just left with, like, just your thoughts? I don't actually think that there's a once and done fits everyone answer to that. And I don't, th- I also don't think that there's a answer that will be a forever answer for each person either. I was speaking to a client the other day about how much grief taught me because in that moment, it's pure surrender. There's nothing you can do. Nothing. Like you can't logic your way out of it. You can't fix anything externally. The only thing that you can do is be with yourself as lovingly and as compassionate as you can. And I don't actually think that people recognize just how much that pertains to business. There's a huge part of me that is very grateful for that grieving experience because I don't think that I'd be able to sit with some of the uncomfortable experiences in business that I now can without realizing that this is a big old fucking case of surrender. Like Mm. what you've just said there, sometimes it's cleaning. Sometimes it's washing the sink. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's walking the dog. It's that thing that you've just said of like letting go of those tools that make you believe you're in control and you're not. Like fiddling with your price list or faffing with your website. All of those things that are potentially quite dangerous because A, they could produce some you know, if we if we're making really emotional decisions because we're trying to avoid our, our own discomfort, that can be a bad thing. But also it's learning to cope with yourself and support yourself. Like I talk a lot about self-support. It's learning how to support yourself through those experiences in a way that means when you come out the back of that, when that experience stops, because it will stop at some point, 
you actually don't feel like shit (laughs) or you don't feel like, you know, you've torn apart your business down. So wrapping up here, because I'm respectful of your time. So thank you so much for everything that you've given today. If there's someone out there in a creative industry that feels how you felt is doing their best to work by the rules, but that doesn't even feel right to them anymore. And it's not getting them anywhere. And even the success that they are creating doesn't feel right to them. Really deep down, there's like a niggle, which I know you know so well. There's a really quiet voice of wisdom inside of them, but they don't quite know to trust it yet. What would you say to them? Oh, I'd say that niggle's not going to go away. It's like, it's like an eternal itch. And I think when I came to you, I said, I know that I need something, but I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's not marketing. It's not, you know, like I know that I'm good at my job and I know that I'm really good at my job. So why don't I feel like I'm good at my job or like I'm successful? And that's having a, that could potentially have a very detrimental effect on the way that I work. And I, and I think if I was running my business as I was at the start of this year, I would have only have burnt out. Mm. And I think if there's an urge there, and I almost think it's beneficial if you've done the marketing courses, if you've wasted money on like the business and courses, and it sounds weird to say, but like get all that out of your system. And if it still doesn't feel right, it's nothing to do with your business. It's you. And that's the point where I remember saying to you, like, it's me. I know it's me. I just don't know what it is with me. And I think just go in. And I think if you're going to do this, you really have to be an open book. Like You have to let yeah. somebody like the crazy. <laughs> Unleash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think as business owners, you know, you want you want everything to be perfect and seamless. And you believe you should be good at all aspects and no one has to see you you know working at 9 p.m in like your gym jams on on the couch because you know you've got to have this veneer and that's not reality and that's okay thank you thank you so much (laughs) honestly I think that well personally I'm really grateful for the insights that you've shared today because these are the insights that I can't share Mm. you know I can't share the understanding from a client's perspective without sounding heavily biased (laughs) I also appreciate those final words of advice like if someone is going to come into this experience you have no choice but to be open if you want to get the best out of it I'd say even if you're not going to come and do this work with me I'd say that you can take Chloe's wisdom and just apply it to yourself like if I think about my own journaling for example unless you're willing to unleash the fucking demon thoughts And stop hiding from them and stop thinking that if you just suppress them, they'll go away. Yeah. Like, you know, if if you're willing to look at your own honesty, good and bad, like the demon thoughts, and this is what I really want. I want this. If you're willing to bring that level of honesty into your own experience with the right guidance, support and tools, I think it's only going to mean that you are living more authentically in alignment to what you want and how you want to do business. So I'm in for of what you've done and what you've created and what you'll continue to create. I will make sure that your handles are linked in the show notes, but can you just, just because some people struggle to find the show notes, can you just say your handles out loud so that people can come and find you? 
Yeah. Um, so my Instagram is at Studio Chloe David and my website is studiochloedavid.com. Easy peasy. Studio. Yeah. Studiochloedavid.com. Yeah. It makes me want to get married again. Every <laughs> Do it. Val renewal all the way, all the way. Do it. I can't close the episode out without giving a special shout out to someone who has been a really important part of your process and including their handle in the show notes of this episode as well. Is it potato dopinoise? It is ah, potato dopinoise. Uh, potato is my dog, <laughs> my my emotional support dog. So I hope that this provides both a lesson and also just an Instagram account that you could just scroll on like unlimited and just feel excellent. Potato is when I talk to my clients about creating success on their terms, it's not unusual for me to get answers like, I just want to spend time with my children without worrying about that response from a client. Or I just want to knit my dog some jumpers for, you know, a look at your face, yeah. right? It's yeah. like, I just, I just want to make it really clear to people that when we define success, it's okay. Like it's, it's more than okay. It's perfect that if your definition of success includes your dog, then it should. And um, yeah, I just wanted to make sure that we don't finish this episode by not mentioning Potato. She's been exceptionally important. Your dog walks and my dog walks are the best best voice notes that we ever exchange. Slightly chaotic. I mean, my dog walks are very, very sure. But yeah, I mean, she's the she's reason I'm doing all this. I'm <laughs> trying yeah. to get her, trying to get her the back garden she deserves. Yeah. Can you imagine if we just started the episode like this? So Chloe, tell me, how did you come into this experience? Well, it was all for me, dog. <laughs> I mean, it kind of was, all of it. It was just, just out here working for my dog that actually hates being outside because she just wants to sit on the couch. I'm like, I want her to have a garden. And she's like, I don't actually like being outside. Just want to be in with that. <laughs> a little baby. So with that and um, wrapping up, thank you so much, Chloe. Thank and you. thank you to Potato as well. Yeah. <laughs>